Hi everyone, and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast where I interview the most disruptive minds in sustainability. They share with us their experiences working behind the scenes in different industries, integrating sustainable approaches from within, and we are getting some actionable advice and inspiration for a positive change and a better world. My name is Anna. I'm an environmentalist, sustainability consultant, the host of this show, and since recently also a career in sustainability personal consultant. Over the course of this year, I've been helping individuals, including the listeners of this podcast, to find their way in the field of sustainability and, you know, knowing how well these guys perform right now truly makes my heart sing. Now I'm open to a small number of advising, consulting and coaching engagements. If you're interested, you can book a session on my website. All the details are in the description. Check them out. Well, back to why we're here today. The pre-last interview of this year on Sustainability Explored. Today with us, we have Eric Ressler, and we'll be ready to welcome him in a second. Eric is the founder and creative director at Cosmic, a social impact creative agency. Cosmic empowers social impact organizations to catalyze real-world change by helping them nail their impact story, build brand awareness, and inspire action. And now we will ask Eric how exactly he does it. So if you're ready, I am. Let's get it started. Hi, Eric. I'm so happy to welcome you on Sustainability Explored. Finally, we meet. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about Cosmic, the social impact branding agency. But before we jump into how to brand for sustainability, I'm always curious to ask my guests about their background and how they found their way in sustainability. So what's your story? Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Very excited for the conversation. Yeah, my story is that I ended up on this path from a very interesting trajectory. It wasn't something that I had planned for. I didn't go to school for sustainability or for ecology or for public good or for civics or anything that might be a traditional path to where I find myself today. My background is really in design. And from a young age, I have always been drawn to creativity in different forms through art and music and eventually kind of stumbled onto this trajectory of digital design and originally it was called graphic design early in the days and so as i was playing in bands when i was um, you know in high school and even before we always needed websites and so i took it upon myself to learn how to design and code websites from an early age and i found it to be really satisfying as someone who always struggled with traditional art in that I had a vision, but I didn't have the physical skill set to make it real. Whereas on the computer and digitally, you can perfect things. And that was really alluring and satisfying for me. And so that kind of brought me down this path. I ended up going to school for design and quickly leaving and starting my own consulting and freelance business, doing mostly web-focused design for a few years before starting Cosmic. And since then, Cosmic, we've been around for about 10 years uh, as of this year. 
And we started out doing a lot of branding work and web design work and communications work really at the beginning for pretty much anyone who would be willing to hire us who we thought we'd be able to help, which was great. And I would highly recommend starting as a generalist like that, just to kind of have the opportunity to play in a, in a variety of different fields and categories to see what kind of resonates. And then about three years ago, we realized that we it was time for us as an agency to really stake a claim around a particular niche. And uh, as we looked back over the work we'd done at that point over the last seven years, we realized that we had found the most meaning and were able to make the most impact by working with organizations who were in business or who had formed to do good in the world. Um, so a lot of nonprofits, foundations, social enterprises, and purpose-driven businesses. And so we really decided to go all in on that and have been on that path for the last three years or so and are only more and more committed to deepening our expertise and exploring different strategies and methodologies to really help those organizations fulfill their impact through the lens of design and strategy and technology. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like in this, especially recent years, especially 2020, it's impossible to do any kind of business if you don't have online presence. Is it important today to have a website or a LinkedIn page, a Facebook page, Instagram page would be enough? What's your take on that? Well, um, you know, I have to admit we're slightly biased because a lot of the work that we do is building websites. But we strongly believe that um, although social channels and other platforms are increasingly important, the most important asset and kind of the metaphor that we use is the hub of your entire marketing wheel is still the website. Because really what you want to be doing at the end of the day is, yes, engaging folks on those various platforms or email or paid media or whatever, and then driving people back to your website where they can find other opportunities to engage and to learn and to take action. And so we believe very strongly that the website is still a critical, if not the most critical component of an effective digital platform. But certainly the other mistake um, on the flip side would be to build a website, but not have a clear distribution strategy for how you're going to drive traffic and engagement to the website. And is it something that you also offer? Yeah, we do. So we tend to work fairly holistically with our clients in a format in which we essentially extend their team and help them build out a more fully fledged marketing and communications arm to the organization. And a lot of the clients that we work with may have a couple people who are doing that work or who are leading that work internally, but they often don't have a large team. Or even if they do have a larger team, the outside perspective can be quite helpful as well. And so we do a combination of strategy and consulting and implementation as well. So we actually build a lot of the things that our clients need in order to leverage the strategies that we create together. How interesting. Branding for sustainability, you know, with the clear angle on social impact, environmental impact, doing good for the planet and for the people, is it somehow different from branding for lucrative purposes? You know, what I'm trying to understand is in case of sustainability, how do you sell? basically how do you engage people into buying if that's kind of an opposite from what they have to do sustainably speaking 
Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's one that we spend a lot of time thinking about because we have a broader experience working with a lot of B2B and B2C brands alongside these social impact organizations. Um, what we found is that a decent amount of it translates over pretty well. Um, a lot of the best practices and kind of core pillars of effective brand strategy and communication strategy do work in a, in a very similar fashion for social impact organizations. But there are also some very distinct differences. I mean, the biggest one is that let's just use the case of a profit-driven business versus an impact-driven business. One of the key measurements is, is you know, revenue or impact, or revenue or profit rather. And in the impact space, profit might not be the main motivator, even if you're a social enterprise where you are a market-based business, where you do sell goods or services for your revenue, even if the end goal is to create good over maximizing profit. There's still some distinct differences there um, in terms of how you tell your story, in terms of what you measure, in terms of the decisions that you make. And that's how it should be, because if social impact organizations, even ones that have a profit driven model in the sense that they're selling a good or service, like in the case of Patagonia or Allbirds or some of the bigger social enterprises that you may know of, they should be making decisions from an impact framework first and foremost, or they're really not an authentic social enterprise, right? They're really just using that as a cause marketing campaign to attract conscious consumers. So I think that's one of the key differences is from a from the top level, business strategy and decision making is framed from an impact framework versus a profit framework, right? So that has implications that trickle down throughout the rest of the entire organization, including marketing and communications. So what we like to do with our organizations who are, let's say, profit driven, um, but still trying to do good is ensure that alongside the traditional marketing and sales um, communications and strategies that they may be employing, that there's also an element of either education or advocacy or activism alongside it um, that's true to their mission and that uh, that makes logical sense and ties back to their actual business as well. And so that's one thing that we, we strongly believe in. And then for nonprofits, especially, or foundations or organizations that, you know, are, are funded by grants or by, by gifts, it's much different because there it's really oftentimes about engaging engaging and educating and activating supporters and building coalitions and building brand awareness. And so that has a whole different track of, of strategy and methodologies that go that support that effort. Wow, I loved when you said conscious consumers. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. What, what do they use as a KPI? I always wonder in the purpose or impact driven companies or organizations yeah. other than financial because to measure money is easy what other kpis are there how do they know that the marketing campaign the strategy is right yeah. and successful it's a really good question and it's a question that has a fairly complicated answer because it really kind of depends on the type of organization. So certainly it still is really important to measure revenue through gifts or through sales because that is what it's kind of the coal that powers the engine, maybe a bad metaphor to use in the clean energy um, you know, world. But right, without the revenue coming in through sales or through gifts, then 
you can't hire staff, you can't um, have an office, you can't, you know, support all of the overhead that is important to run an effective organization, right? So obviously, mm -hmm. it's important to measure that and to have that still be one of the top metrics that you're looking at, especially as it trickles back down to marketing and communications. Um, but there are a lot of other metrics that we look at digitally that are also important that are really more around engagement. And what I mean by engagement is to break it down to a few concrete examples, things like, you know, open rate on emails or, you know, cost per acquisition when doing paid media and some of the, you know, standard things that you would look at running a typical media campaign. I think the difference is that what you do with those people who you engage after you've activated them changes, right? So in the case of a social impact organization, once you get them to the website, you might not be selling them a product, but you might be selling them an idea or a version of the future that's different. So in the case of education or advocacy, you're trying to either inform or convince or educate a certain portion of the population that there's a better way for us to do something around an issue that you care about, right? And so how do you measure that? That gets really tricky, right? So there are actually specialists in the social impact space whose entire job is to figure out how to measure these really difficult kind of gray area things to measure around behavior change and awareness. And often it's done through surveys and quantitative and qualitative research. That does start to get a little outside of our area of expertise. We typically have other partners or people even within the organizations that we work with who do that work. But that work does inform the creative strategies that we come up with for future campaigns or iterations to the campaign that we're running. Right. As a, I have another tricky question. As a branding agency, how do you know you are not participating or encouraging greenwashing? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked that question. So, well, you know, the short answer is that we we vet our clients before we work with them. So before we sign a client on, we've had a number of conversations. And, you know, I will let you know that it, it's pretty clear within about 15 or 20 minutes of talking to someone, whether or not they're authentically in it for the right reasons or not. And I think that also mostly trickles down to the consumer or people who aren't involved at the same level that we might be. But I think we've seen so many examples of cause marketing campaigns getting a lot of negative backlash through social media and through just public channels because people can sniff out an inauthentic message pretty well. And if there's not a logical connection or if you're as a brand putting a message out that says one thing, but your actions in the past or in the, in the present reflect a different reality, you know, it's, it's really hard to get away with that stuff in 2020 because there's just so much transparency and accountability and public awareness around the actions that are taken. And so that's not to say that if you are a brand who has done irresponsible things economically or socially or environmentally that you should just give up on trying to improve. Obviously, that's not the right approach. We do need to be making improvements, even in some industries that have traditionally been, you know, not very ethical. And, you know, fashion is a really, I think, timely example of that. There's so much conversation right now about, you know, ecological fashion and, you know, fast fashion being bad and all of that. And there's a number of brands and we've worked with a few who are, are working on that issue. I think one of the things we think about a lot is that, um, although we 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 definitely we share a lot of opinions and we we support activism, 
change doesn't always happen overnight. Revolutionary change is, is amazing when it happens and the right conditions have to be in place. But we have to all be careful that we don't discount incremental change as also worthwhile to um, explore. And it's not that you have to choose, right? Both can happen. And there's a lot of, you know, different opinions about that whole topic that, you know, maybe go outside the scope of this particular interview. But I guess to go back to your original question, we do believe really strongly that we and our actions in terms of who we actually take on as clients, we make sure that the organizations that we're working with are authentic in their missions. Oftentimes, their entire organization was formed to, to work on an issue and to improve an issue. But there are definitely some times that people come to us and they really like our work or they've heard that we can really help them. And they essentially try and say, oh, yeah, we're, we're a sustainable company. And oh, we, um, you know, we're a social impact organization. We're trying to do good in the world. And then when you, you go a little bit further in the conversation, you realize, well, you know, they're not necessarily evil, but that's not really an authentic message for them. And, and that's the kind of work that we want to do. So we will sometimes say, hey, you know, what you're doing is fine, but that's not really a fit for us. And we will refer people out to other agencies who are happy to take the work. I was wondering how you actually tell them no, or even to use the inappropriate language, you know, your mission and your message is bullshit. It's it's completely wrong. I was recently yeah. editing, I was asked by a, a journalist friend to edit an article to have a look at the article on low waste or zero waste living and uh, things like that. And there mm -hmm. I found the, the author took seemingly right messages, weirdly twisted them, arrived, uh, skipped the middle and arrived to some weird conclusions and super weird arguments like, if you think you did right today by shopping without a plastic bag, and then you took a taxi home, then you were doing more harm than good. And I'm like, where does it come from? Wait a second, yeah. did I sleep through the middle or what yeah, happened right. just there? We definitely lack positivity and kindness. You know, to start with, I don't think it's right even to put all the blame on the end consumers. Oh, no. you took a plastic bag. Wait a right. second. How about extraction industries, fashion, transport, etc. You know, and yeah. every time the person try the individual tries to do something good, like, oh, yeah. I did good today, you know. Yeah. At least I didn't buy with the plastic bag. I came prepared. No, you get slapped in the face. You, you, you're wearing a fur coat. You were traveling with the taxi. How dare yeah. you not to take the subway? No, you, we definitely need this encouragement. But what I wanted to, yeah, the, what I wanted to know, how do you tell the potential clients we are not in the capacity to support you with your message? And how yeah, do they I mean, take it's that? A, it's a tricky, it, it's a, a delicate conversation to have. And I would say that usually it goes pretty well and we really often just kind of come out and say, hey, this is the kind of work that, that we do and you're not really a perfect fit for us because of, you know, X, Y, and Z reasons. And, you know, that's not to say that what you're doing is bad. Like we also don't, it, it kind of actually ties back to your earlier comment around kind of shaming people, right? Like I, I do think that we all need to be thinking about how we can be more socially responsible, environmentally responsible. And um, I do believe that all organizations need to be working on 
running their organizations in a responsible way, that they're not exploiting people, they're not exploiting the environment. And at the same time, I don't think that every organization needs to be branded or positioned as a social impact organization. I think it starts to muddy the waters a little bit and people don't know who's authentic and who's not, um, or it just starts to become a little bit overwhelming that everyone's going over that with coming into the market with that same message. And it, and I think again, people can kind of sniff out who's authentic and who's not authentic, but I think that brands are feeling a lot of pressure to come out with these messages because of the growth of the conscious consumer and millennial consumers largely being conscious consumers. And so it makes a lot of logical business sense, but I think what I'd rather see these organizations do is rather than try and come out with a cause-based message is to start to work on their core business operations and their environmental footprint and paying their workers and you know um, more fairly and giving them more benefits and making sure they're not exploiting cultures across um, you know the continent to make their product and that can all be part of a section on the site about our commitment to sustainability but your main marketing message can still be we make really good apparel and you know or whatever your actual core business is rather than we're the conscious apparel company unless that's what you were formed to be out of the beginning then it's really kind of a tack on message and i think that's where it starts to become a little bit inauthentic so that's kind of the advice that we give a lot of these people and you know um we say look like you're doing great in terms of sustainability and and it's good that you're working on that but it doesn't make sense for you at this point to come out with a sustainability focused promise as your main brand promise or your main messaging, because that's not what you were formed to do. It's not your core purpose. It's not actually how you're making all your business decisions. Right. And so then we can refer out to a firm that that works on, you know, apparel brands or specializes in their industry or whatever it is. Usually that um, I think people find that to be helpful because we are, you know, hopefully preventing them from making some bad choices with their marketing and setting them on a better path with a partner who's going to be a better fit to help them out overall. I can only imagine how disappointed that they walk away <laughs> with your message. <laughs> like, no, stop it. You need to roll up your sleeves and do the work instead yeah. of talking the talk. Let's go yeah. to the square A1. What is a social impact company? What Can you give us the examples? What do these organizations do exactly, speaking from your experience? Totally. Yeah. So... They really roughly break down into three other categories that I think might be a little bit more well understood. So the first would be nonprofit organizations. And, you know, even within that sector, there's a ton of different types of organizations who are, you know, focused on social issues, environmental issues, health issues. Um, a lot of religious organizations actually are also not not for profit. And so, you know, there's a huge sector there, right? The second would be this category we would call social enterprises. And this is essentially still a corporation or a business entity. It's not a not-for-profit or nonprofit organization or non-government organization. It's a business, but they've made a commitment to doing good as part of their core mission. So there's a movement called the B Corp movement you may be familiar with that's trying to kind of standardize this and have some kind of accountability and metrics around the different elements that kind of define that. But it's still 
although becoming a more popular space, um, still a, a rather new space um, that's being formed. And even within that space, there's a lot of different ways to go about doing that. Um, there's also public benefit corporations that um, are not the same as B Corp. So it gets kind of complicated. But essentially, the way that we think about it is it's a business that's trying to do good across an issue or a geography or whatever their values are. But instead of relying on grants and gifts, they're relying on selling a product or a service to fund the organization. So, you know, this is where you might think about brands like, again, Patagonia or Allbirds or Tom Shoes was one of the more successful ones early on where, you know, they have a mission in, in mind, but they're, they're driven by or they're funded by, you know, selling services or products. So that's kind of the second big category. And then the third would be foundations. And foundations are organizations that have been formed and they're more like investors in social good. So some of them have their own programs and do their own work, but oftentimes they're actually funding the nonprofits or the social enterprises. And they can be thought of almost kind of like the venture capitalists of the social impact space. That's one of the ways that we think about them, except their return on investment is not for financial purposes. It's for impact, right? And so within that, there's also community foundations that are like kind of regional versions of those that work with local nonprofits within the region. And all of this is really mostly based in, in the American system. So there may be other entities across the world in Europe and other places that have different terms, but I imagine that it all breaks down kind of into those three main categories. So those are the types of organizations that we're talking about working with. In this niche in 2020, have you noticed any considerable disruption? The, the biggest disruption this year has been the COVID pandemic, right? Because a lot of these organizations um, across all three categories did a lot of their work on the ground, so to speak, through, you know, canvassing or, you know, retail selling on, you know, in actual physical stores or organizing and doing events and conferences are like really big in this space. Um, and so, and fundraising events, especially, right? You know, this was coming in this digital transformation um, was well underway before COVID. But that really, I think we saw that accelerate the importance and the, the necessity for these organizations to really take their digital strategy and their commitment to digital and their digital culture to a whole other level very rapidly, um, which was, you know, a difficult transition for a lot of these organizations to make. A lot of them still haven't. And it can be especially difficult because especially on the nonprofit side, sometimes they don't have the funds to do it or they have funds, but they're restricted to programs. And so this kind of work funding it or um, yeah, investing in it is is difficult to do. And so that I would say, you know, uh, there's a, a bunch of other things that have changed over the last few years and in 2020, but that was by far, of course, the biggest one. But have you noticed, for example, the increase in your customers, in really the organizations and companies that say, we want to, we want your service because suddenly we want to to tell our audience about our sustainability efforts, about our transparency, about our reporting. Because from from what I saw over the course of this year, everyone is turning into sustainability. They want recycled furniture. They want yeah. a minimal impact. They want to tell everybody from every corner, like, look, we're good guys. Have yeah. you experienced any any similar? events. Yeah, I would say so, definitely. And I think, you know, I think it is driven by the fact that 
the the existential threat of climate change is is only increasing by the day and i think that there's there's more awareness of the issue today than there has ever been before which is good i mean obviously it, it we're we're way behind of course right and it's not enough but it it is inspiring that people are starting to think about that more in terms of the choices that they make right and so i think back to the conscious consumer side of things people want to support companies that um, have sustainability in mind in in how they do work and in how they produce their product. And so I think because of that um, market pressure, brands are are being forced to um, either actually improve there, which is obviously the the right approach, or do some improvement there, but really invest a lot in marketing to you know make it seem like they're doing more than they actually are. So obviously, you know, our approach would be and our suggestion to these organizations would be to actually do the work to improve and to um, take it seriously and to track the metrics of your environmental footprint and your social footprint, so to speak, um, with as much importance as your revenue. Um, and then you can have an authentic message around that. And then you should start to see an upward spiral of support because when you're authentic and when you do things right, people want to support your company um, or your organization. So yeah, we've seen an increase for sure. And I think just in general, as I've been observing how culture has shifted this year and, and, and leading up to this year, I think it's becoming a more and more important issue and a critical kind of um, decision-making point that people look for when they're shopping and when they're supporting organizations. Do you have any predictions for 2021? Oh, the prediction question is always a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think that by 2021, you know, we're going to start to see a lot shift. It seems like things are looking pretty positive on the vaccine front. So my hope would be that we do start to see a return to a new normal in terms of what we're able to do across the globe. But what my hope is and what my prediction is actually is that we will not go back to the way things were done before with regards to branding and marketing and communications. I think digital is more important than ever. It's here to stay. A lot of the organizations who were able to bridge the digital transformation um, have started to see some of the benefits of that. And it's not to say that they won't also do some of the other things they used to do when they were able to, like events and in-person work and all of that. But I think that after people start to get a taste of how effective investing in a comprehensive digital strategy and building a digital-first culture, they'll start to to realize it's worth investing in an equal, if not in, in more, in terms of uh, the effects that it can have, especially because it breaks down geographical barriers, which is, you know, we're a globally connected culture today. And our main channel of communication is digital. So if you're not strong there and you're not playing there, you're really just holding yourself back. Are you helping only organizations or people as well? Do you brand professionals that are working in this sphere? We typically work with organizations. Asking for a friend, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. We, we, we mostly work with organizations because we tend to do pretty holistic work and you know, just frankly speaking, like our, our budgets are usually more than it makes sense for an individual to invest in unless they're a, you know, a public figure where it's their individual brand is essentially a company because they're so prolific or successful or they have a platform that's really important, right? But as I say, we don't, we do often consult with people who are 
individuals and we may not do as much work as we would do with a large organization. That just tends to be our niche, but we, we've definitely helped out some, you know, influencers um, and some celebrity brands who have more where, where they're, they are kind of a, an individual, but they're an individual brand because they've, they've built a platform out through their influence or, or their awareness. Yeah. Looking for someone who will help me grow the podcast next year. Oh, awesome. Well, we could definitely chat about that. I'd be happy to um, give you some thoughts. Super. Well, my final question is, as I always ask my guests, is one piece of advice for the, for the listeners of Sustainability Explored? Just one. Oh, one piece of advice. That's a really yes. good question. Think well. I'm just kind of going to go off the cuff with my answer here and 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 give you my initial reaction. And so I, I feel like this has been a year that's been really trying for a lot of people. Obviously, um, it's been a tough year for a lot of different reasons for me and for a lot of people in my um, network, so to speak. It's been a, a year of reflection and a year of really being reminded what matters um, in your life and what you care about and your values and what is important to you. And so my piece of advice would be, as we do hopefully soon start to return back to a more normal or a new normal way of life, that you don't forget some of the lessons that you may have learned during this time. That's so deep and powerful, you know? Yeah, don't forget, don't forget the lessons when things get better. Yeah, I think it's easy to do. So it's an intention that would be worth setting, I think. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much for this conversation. I learned a lot from you. I really hope the listeners did too. I honestly don't want to, to let you go. I would sit down and chat with you for hours. But that, that was awesome. We might yeah. come back to this conversation in a while. Yeah, thanks, Anna. I, I appreciate that. And I'd be happy to come back on in a little bit um, and, and keep it going. Yeah, super. Thank you so much. Okay, ciao, ciao. thank you. Bye. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today at Sustainability Explored and to listen to our wonderful, inspiring and amazing guest, Eric Ressler. I'm releasing this episode as a bonus episode on Saturday, December 26. This is the episode number 68, uh, one of the last episodes of 2020. Why I'm doing this on Saturday and breaking my own rule of releasing only on Thursdays is because I believe the issues we covered today are very important if you want to start your 2021 on a highly positive note. You still have a little bit of time, five days until the start of 2021 to reconsider maybe your personal or company strategies, how you're branding yourself, how... Is your message clear enough and aligned with your values? So this is why this episode goes on uh, December 26th. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. I hope uh, you found something interesting and something new for you to implement, to use, to get inspired, you know, generated some other thoughts in your mind. If you have any questions for me or Eric, you know what to do. We are all on LinkedIn. Shoot us your questions. Ask us what 
is not clear, oh, maybe we can do a second episode, as we mentioned during the episode. We're both always ready to talk, always ready to hear your feedback, me especially. If you like the podcast, if you don't like the podcast, I ask you please to leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser page. I always reply in person to, to those reviews. And reading your review will definitely help me become better in 2021. I always suggest some other related episodes out. Today I want to draw your attention to the episode we recorded with Erika Larson. The episode was called How to Communicate Sustainability Effectively with Erika Larson from Pixel Power. This is the only episode that I think overlaps or extends the topic we discussed today with Eric is branding, communicating for sustainability and for social impact enterprises, companies, etc., businesses. Finally, reach out to me on LinkedIn, challenge me with your questions, suggest guests, become a guest yourself. Uh, maybe you have some topics you'd like me to cover in the future. I'm always up for suggestions. As I said, this was episode number 68 season six and me your host Anna Chashino. thank you again for listening for being with us today and always and until next time next Thursday this time it's gonna be Thursday December 31 and we will be talking about predictions and the way forward in sustainability for 2021 take care stay sustainable bye bye